hey, my name is Dave, and welcome to the Magic on a Dollar podcast. Okay, so for this week's this week's theme music, close your eyes and just imagine Robin Hood and Little John walking through the forest, laughing back and forth at what the other has to say, reminiscing this and that, having such a good time. Oodalali, oodalali, golly, what a day. Music comes in, and there's the chime, and then you hear the booming voice, the Magic on a Dollar podcast with David Dollar. Music comes down, and let's start the show. Hey guys, my name is David, and welcome to the Magic on a Dollar podcast. Guys, I'm so excited to be here once again for you, talking about Disney news, talking about Disney fun, pop culture, and all the good stuff that's uh, that's fit to talk about magic. Um, Disney conversations in a podcast form. And like most of my conversations, I'm the one doing all the talking, but that's okay. Magic on a dollar podcast at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, you can email me and let me know, hey, guy, hey, hey, man, I like your show. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. Also, go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, go to Google Play, download, subscribe to the show. We'd love to hear from you from there. Um, review the show. Five stars is the best version of stars, as my friend Clay Shaver would say. But I'll take anything, really, just to get a review on there. Um, and thank you. The, the response to the show has been fantastic. I've gotten lots of inquiries and uh, inquiries, inquiries. In I got lots of questions about the show, lots of feedback, which has been great. Um, some good feedback, some 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 feedback that hey, Dave, we need to work on this, which has been great. So I love it. So thank you so much for joining us once again. Episode number five. We made it now five episodes. I kind of think that. Every time I do another episode, maybe I've outlasted another podcast in the podcast podcast sphere because, you know, not many podcasts really get going past the first few episodes. Um, so the longer we go, the, the you know, the more uh, more of a legacy that we'll have. I don't even know what that means. Anyway, so welcome again to the Magic Dollar Podcast, uh, sponsored by MyResumeLady.com. If you have a job and you need a better job, if you have a good job but you want to do a little bit better, uh, visit Amy Campbell and her team, MyResumeLady.com. They'll help you with all your uh, all your resume needs as well as as well as your uh, your LinkedIn experience needs. LinkedIn is something that you don't know you need until you need it. It's a great tool, and she is the master of it. She knows all about it. Also, marketing help as well. Visit MyResumeLady.com. Tell them that David Dollar sent you. She'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear from you that uh, that you went over there and visited. And finally, got to say hey to the producer of our show, Clay Shaver, host of the Remodeling Clay podcast. He, of course, does the best version of you Actually, he does the best version of himself. He encourages you to find the best version of yourself, which is a great show every 30 minutes or so every Thursday morning. Download that show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever finer podcasts are sold. So that's all our um, that's all our contact stuff and all our filler information, all our sponsorships and stuff to begin the show. So let's kick it off with some news around the world in 80 seconds. Starting right now. Tower of Terror will become the Hollywood Toy Hotel for Sunset Seasons. Greetings at Hollywood Studios. They've got a new holiday thing at Hollywood Studios, which is great because they haven't really done a whole lot of holiday stuff. They will transform the Hollywood Tower Hotel, the Tower of Terror, into the Toy Hotel with projections. Uh, the art online right now shows the Tower of Terror as as if it were built out of toys, which is going to be scene changes. It'll change the structures and so on. It's, it's going to be awesome. Flights of Wonder, which is the show Animal Kingdom. It's rumored to be closing, which makes me sad because I like Flights of Wonder. If you ever wanted to sit on stage with a condor flying at your head at about 60 miles an hour, that's a good place to go. Flights of Wonder, Animal Kingdom. Go check that show out. Remember I told you about the Sumatran Tigers that were born a couple of months ago? Um, they've got names now. Jetta, the male, and Anala, the female, born there at Animal Kingdom. Uh, Disney Cruise Lines have released their brand new sailings for spring 2019. They're going to the Baja. They're going to um, the West Coast, the East Coast. They're going to the Caribbean. They're going the Panama Canal, magicandadollar at gmail.com. Inquire to me, and I will be happy to help you get your trip set up on the Disney Cruise Line. Finally, the 
Eat to the Beat concert series at Epcot, presenting Boys to Men and the Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. They will be playing this week at the Food and Wine Festival Eat to the Beat concert series. And I guess that's going to bring us to the end of the road here at Around the World in 80 Seconds. And a little bit more news here for you that we couldn't quite squeeze in there. The Lion King show, the Lion King movie coming out the summer of 2019, the cast has been announced, the full cast. Somebody asked me earlier today whether it's going to be a live action like The Jungle Book, which is just a voice thing, or it's going to be something more like Pete's Dragon where you'll have live action people in them with animals and such. Honestly, I have no idea. I don't know what it's going to look like, but the cast looks amazing. Let me give you this real quick. Donald Glover, also with a rap, known by the rap name Childish Gambino. Uh, also, he's the smart guy in The Martian. I mean, they're all smart in The Martian, but he's the one that comes up with the with the whip around plan for the space shuttle at the, or the, the moon and the Earth, whatever. That guy. He's also the, the, the award-winning star of the television show Atlanta. He's going to be Simba. Beyonce is going to be Nala, and please don't say who is Beyonce because you know who Beyonce is. Um, Chiwetel Ejiofor is going to play the villain Scar, which should be exciting. He's a great actor. He really, really is. Also in also in The Martian with Donald Glover. James Earl Jones playing Mufasa and his wife, Alfre Woodard, playing Sarabi. Now, I wondered why maybe they didn't get Madge Sinclair to do this role. Um, she was his wife, and she was Sarabi in the Lion King animated series, as well as the Coming to America movie from uh, the late uh, late 80s with Eddie Murphy, James Earl Jones, and Madge Sinclair. Claire were the queen, the king and the queen of that. Um, and I did some looking online. It turns out Madge Sinclair passed away in 1995. So that's probably why she's not going to play this part. Uh, she was a great actress. Great, great actress. And I, I miss her now knowing she's gone. Uh, John Oliver, uh, host of Last Week Tonight on HBO, is going to be Zazu with Seth Rogen and Billy Eichner playing Pumba and Timon and John Connie playing Rafiki. Also in the cast, Eric Andre, Keegan-Michael Key, Florence Kasumba, uh, Shahadi Wright-Jones and J.D. McCrary. Y'all, I don't know who a lot of these people are. They sound like Broadway stars. They sound like great musicians. Either way, it's going to be exciting. I'm really excited about this. I think it's going to be cool. Now, if you've ever wondered why I don't personally have a Mickey Mouse case on my phone, if you have been around me and you're like, why doesn't David Dollar have a Mickey Mouse case on his phone? It's because I don't want to get them from, uh, I don't want to get them from Disney because of that, that, that plastic, that thin plastic. I don't want to say cheap because I don't know what it's made of, but I just know it's a thin plastic. And I'm too fumbly-bumbly to drop – to hold onto my phone all the time. So I drop it on occasion uh, more than once, unfortunately. And um, you know, so my phone is surrounded in a big fat otter box just in case I drop it. And whenever I drop it, I always tend to go otter box because that's saved me from having to buy a new phone. Today, Otterbox and Disney announced that Otterbox will be the quote-unquote official protective case of Walt Disney World Resort and Disneyland Resort as part of a multi-year partnership, which is going to be cool. Um, Otterbox will be in several D-Tech locations throughout Walt Disney World Resort and Disneyland Resort. D-Tech is a, is a tech shop. And the two parks and the two areas that will do like, you know, phone cases and, and other things, magic bands and whatever. It's a ticky thing. Um, and they will eventually put Otterboxes in the parks themselves. It's the world's number one most trusted mobile case brand. This comes from www.net.com. Uh, says CEO of Otterbox, Jim Park, the collaboration between Otterbox and Disney allows us to combine the, com- the trusted protection of Otterbox with the magic of Disney parks. Otterbox will collaborate with uh, Disney to also do uh, like a variety of phone cases for the iPhone 8, the iPhone 7, the 8 Plus, and the 7 Plus. I have a 6. So the Symmetry Series Classic Disney Collection will be on those, but not on mine. 
Womp womp. I will not be getting a case anytime soon, unfortunately. But they sound cool, which is pretty cool. The OtterBox is going to be doing that because, again, hopefully no more cheap plastic. Let's take a look at this week in Disney history. Of course, this is the week of November the 5th. Something jumped out at me here. Disneyland closing the turnstiles this week in 1994 uh, on one of the most popular and oldest attractions, the Skyway. It's a gondola lift attraction. It was the Sky Buckets, basically, in Disneyland. They opened them up in June 1956, which is one of the first rides right after it opened. Um, they closed it because of stress cracks and basically how much it costed to, to fix it for earthquake safety uh, down in California. Five years to the day, 1999 this week, um, they closed the Skyway at uh, Florida's Magic Kingdom. It's been a pop- it was a popular attraction ever since Walt Disney opened it in 1971. Uh, the Skyway to Fantasyland and the Skyway to Tomorrowland, so it was two routes and they both closed as well. Now the popular myth is that uh, it closed because somebody died on the bucket. The bucket fell and it killed somebody and whatever. And that's not true. It died because they were old. It, 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 they closed it because it was just old and too cost prohibitive to fix. Now, if you wonder where the where the stations were, if you go into Magic Kingdom, the Rapunzel bathrooms is where one of the stations was. It actually sat empty for a while. You actually could go through to Fantasyland and see like an empty, I guess, thing there. You couldn't see any buckets, but an empty station would be there. They 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 lowered there. They took that down. They put in the Rapunzel area, the sitting area with the uh, with the phone charger area, as well as the Rapunzel bathrooms and the Rapunzel tower. Um, the other one over there is close to Space Mountain in Tomorrowland, and kind of the big courtyard there. They have a stage there now where they do all kinds of dance parties and stuff. But that's where the other one was. Uh, but you could ride the sky the sky buckets all the way through 1999. I remember riding the sky buckets. I actually have pictures of the sky buckets uh, from the. Sky buckets. Uh, my old camera when I was in college, riding the Skyway uh, through uh, through Tomorrowland and through Fantasyland. But those were closed this week in 1990, 1990, uh, 1994 and nineteen ninety nine. Also in nineteen ninety three, this week it was kind of interesting because this week in Disney history, uh, nineteen ninety three, Disney announced a plan to build an amusement park called Disney's America. Somewhere close to Washington, D.C. They had found a place in, in Washington or close to Washington in Virginia. Um, Michael Eisner was behind this, and he wanted to build a, an American history theme park. Not unlike any other Disney park, he wanted to kind of get the, the capture of the spirit of Walt Disney, who loved America. Walt Disney was a patriot, just through and through. He was a patriot. He loved America. He loved the sense of America. And so Michael Eisner thought, well, let's build a park here in Virginia um, that uh, that maybe you know we can do some some historical shows, maybe historical rides. I know how that sounds, and trust me, that's why the project was canceled. People raised a fit. They didn't like the idea of having Disney come to the Virginia area, um, you know, the whole traffic thing and the whole whatever thing and so on and so on. And maybe we'll get to that in another episode, Disney's America, and I'm sure you can read up on that. But 1993 this week, they announced the plans to build it. Some years later, they said, you know what? We're, we're not going to build it because it's, it's not going to work for us. Also, opening up this week in Disney history, Robin Hood opened up 1973. And when I was a kid, you had you basically were one of two factions. You were either a Robin Hood guy or a Fox and the Hound guy. I liked Fox and the Hound okay. I loved Robin Hood. I know people, other people who were kind of the the, the opposite. Um, love Robin Hood. I do. It was, it was probably my first favorite Disney film. I have several favorites, but if I could look back to me being a kid. That was my first favorite Disney movie. That was Robin Hood because it was just fun. In 1994, the Santa Claus opened up uh, to theaters. Became a brand new, brand new theatrical release, starting a franchise. The Santa Claus with Tim Allen was a, it was such a fun movie. You guys have seen it before. It's fun. It's great, right? Uh, Big Hero Six opened up in two thousand two thousand fourteen. Big Hero Six does not get a lot of love, unfortunately. It's it's a movie that I think a lot of people like, but for me, it was I, I saw it once or twice. I was good. I've seen it. It's great. It's fine. 
Don't know that I'll watch it again anytime soon. Baymax you can beat and you can meet at Epcot. He's a big fluffy character as expected. Go there and meet um, Sadness and Joy from Inside Out and then walk across the hallway and get in line and be, meet Baymax. It's, good. it's a cool experience. The Incredibles opened up in 2004. Now this is my favorite Pixar film and one of my favorite Disney movies. I love The Incredibles and I don't know if you can remember or not. If you remember the trailer to The Incredibles, this is back when Pixar did trailers that you couldn't tell what was going on with the movie itself. All you saw was the trailer, and there was a distinct trailer that opened up. They, what they would do is they would show you a trailer for the next year's movie. So I want to say it was 03, maybe it was Finding Nemo, and so before Finding Nemo came on, you saw the trailer for The Incredibles. Um, it was it was Mr. Incredible, or Bob Parr, in his office downstairs in the basement trying to, to put on his super suit, and he's all over the room with it because he's trying to get his pants on, and he can't, they're too tight, and he can't fit them off, and a button flies off and breaks something. It's It's hysterical. But you had no idea what the movie was about. No clue what the movie was about. And that's I missed that from Pixar because I missed when they had those mysterious trailers that you just watched it going, I want to see that because it's Pixar. Who cares what it's about? I'll go in. And they probably had some more, I guess, more telling trailers later on. But I remember those trailers. Incredibles opened this week in 2004. And in 2015... Thor The Dark World opened up. Uh, of course, uh, the first Thor came out a few years before that. Thor The Dark World, part of Marvel, uh, part of the Marvel Universe. Good movie. I think Loki is a good villain. I think it's uh, it's well casted, really. Tom Hiddleston, um, you know, uh, one of the Hems- Chris Hemsworth. Um, you know, those characters are great. Thor Ragnarok opens up this weekend, or I guess when you're listening to this, opened up this previous weekend, and I did get to go see it. And here's what I think about Thor Ragnarok. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard, where the booming heavens roar. You'll behold in breathless wonder, the god of thunder, mighty Thor. So let's talk a little bit about Thor Ragnarok, opening on Friday, November the 11th. So at the time you're going to hear this, it's been out for several days, and I'm only guessing it had a pretty good, pretty big weekend. This is the third in the Thor series, and of course, one of the many Marvel movies overall, telling the overall Marvel story. Um, Marvel has, just a side note, Marvel is doing it right. They have done some amazing work over the last 10 years, 10, 12 years, unfolding this long story, two-hour block by two-hour block, movie by movie. Some movies have been great, some have been, you know, just okay, but overall, all leading to the story. And the story, of course, is leading to Marvel's Infinity War, which opens up in May. And that's when all the characters come in. You'll see Captain America, Iron Man, Hulk, Scarlet Witch, uh, Black Widow, uh, you know, Hawkeye, Spider-Man, the Guardians of the Galaxy, and, of course, Thor will all be in there as well as, as others. Um, the Marvel movies have been leading up to this movie because they're all chasing something called the Infinity Gauntlet. And it's a series of six Infinity Stones. Uh, and you put them all together, and like any good comic book story, you put them all together and suddenly you can rule the universe. Well, Thor Ragnarok doesn't really go into the stones. You do see some of the stones here and there, but it doesn't lead to that. But this movie is a great setup for what's coming. Um, And of course, you've also got... uh Coming up, we've also got uh, Black Panther coming up in February, and that tells the the story of the Black Panther character, who is the king of the fictional country of Wakanda, and that's coming up in February. So you've got those two movies, but then you've got this one leading up to it. Thor Ragnarok is a great film. It's a fun fun film. It's a funny movie. The story basically goes that Thor is going back to Asgard to find his father, Odin, played by Sir Anthony Hopkins. Uh, he and Loki um, kind of butt heads, as as expected, and I'm not spoiling anything when I tell you that Loki is not dead. 
And uh, let me just tell you, too, that um, I'm not going to spoil anything in this movie. So listen up. Don't fear that I'm going to make a spoiler for you. I'm not going to tell you anything that happens, anything serious. I'm not going to spoil any surprises or any kind of fun things. I'm just going to tell you a little bit about the plot and what I thought of the movie itself. And so Thor and, and, and Loki butt heads over Odin. They find him. And uh, things have gone awry. And who shows up but Kate Blanchett's character, Hela. Hela is Thor's and Loki's sister. Now, we don't see this in the movies, but in the storyline itself, um, Hela is somebody who served with Odin and was a very, very bad person. And so she's back now to take over Asgard, the whole entire planet, and ultimately, of course, the universe. Because in every good comic book story, universal domination is your goal. Especially if you can do it with a helmet that has on some kind of horns or things like that. That's a really big thing in comic books. Any kind of helmet you have, if you're a bad guy, has to have horns and hooks on it. So, and, and as she does, Kate Blanchett is a wonderful actress. I love Kate Blanchett. She's been in a lot of great stuff. And she's great in this. You can tell that she's having a lot of fun in this. And I read some stories that she, she didn't want to take this role, but she took it because her kids are big Marvel fans. And so she took it for them. And she ended up enjoying the role itself. So Thor, Loki, and Hela, they go into a battle. And Thor and Loki get banished to this outer world. Ruled by the Grandmaster, played by Jeff Goldblum. And Jeff Goldblum just is, he's an American treasure. He's so great in this movie. Jeff Goldblum, of course, Jurassic Park and The Fly, um, you know, as many, as well as many, many other films he's been in. Uh, great, great, uh, great, great actor there. There's my phone. Let me flip that off. There we go. No more beeping for me. Um, and so, you know, they, they end up, end up in this, this outer world where they have to do combat with, um, with, with Hulk. Now, this is in the trailer, and I kind of feel like the trailer ruined it a little bit because if you see, if you're in this movie and you don't know Hulk is coming out of that gate to battle with Thor in this arena, that's a great surprise. That's an awesome surprise. Even if you know Hulk's in the movie, you maybe you don't know that they're going to battle. The trailer tells you that they fight. And of course, you know, that great line in the trailer where Thor turns around and is like, yes, I know him. He's a friend from work. Um, it's, it's fun. And incidentally, that line is actually not even in the script. That line was actually from a Make-A-Wish child who had visited the set of the of the movie and met the met the actors and suggested they put that line in there and they did and it works. Uh, so they do battle and they end up you know fighting over the planet. Um, you know, Hulk and Thor end up uh, meet, teaming up with another couple of superheroes and they go back to Asgard and they have a big battle. And that's pretty much the movie itself. There's a lot of funny parts of this movie. It borders on the too funny. It borders on the almost gets silly to a point. There are a few gags where you kind of look at it and you go, you know, that's a little much. I mean, mm. I mean, they're funny, but again, it, it, it's almost like a little much. It's a little, it's a little too much sometimes. Um, so I do think they try a little too hard with some of the jokes, but overall, it really, really works. And uh, of course, this I think really sets up the Infinity War story very, very well. There's a don't don't forget to stay for the two ending credits. There's one in the credits, and there's one at the very end of the credits. And the end the credit scene kind of gives you a lead up to what's coming. Again, I'm not going to tell you anything, but uh, anybody who's seen all the other Marvel films will know what's going on when they see that credit. They'll look and say, oh, okay, well, here we go. Um, Tom Hiddleston is wonderful as Loki, as he always is. He's a great actor. Uh, Hemsworth is fantastic as Thor. Um, you know, the ancillary characters is great. Idris Elba is, is uh, Heimlin. Heimlich? Heimlin? I can't remember his name. But he's in that, too. And uh, he plays kind of the, the, the keeper of the gates. Hemdale. That's it. Hemdale. Uh, Tessa Thompson plays Valkyrie. She's kind of the, the ancillary character. And if you know a lot about the comic books, which... I'll be honest with you, I don't know a ton about the comic books. Thor has never been my favorite character. 
Um, even in the Marvel Universe, he was never my favorite character, but he plays well in this. Uh, the, the film itself, for comic book nerds, the film itself takes place using storylines from the comics, the Ragnarok story, the Planet Hulk story, the Contest of Champions story, and the Searcher saga. And Searcher is this big fire creature that plays a role in the movie. And so you'll see, you'll see him in the movie as well. Overall, it is a visual feast. It's a fun movie. It's a funny movie for adults, uh, for their kids. There's really not a lot of language in it. There's no sexual uh, conduct whatsoever in this movie. There's no even, really, not even any kind of lead up to that. Um, you know, there's, I mean, I hate to use the word sexy. There's no sexiness in this movie at all, other than, than Hemsworth has his shirt off, which for some people may be worth the price of admission. Uh, but. Uh, but overall, it's a great film. A lot of cartoony violence. I think younger kids will be okay with this movie. You know your kids better than I do, obviously, so you can tell what's going to work. If they can handle Iron Man, if they can handle Captain America, they can handle this. And this is not even as deep as, the, as those movies are. So anyway, that is Thor Ragnarok. I really enjoyed it. And um, so there's the review. But don't take my word for it. <clears throat> go visit it. Uh, go go check it out for yourself. See if you like Thor Ragnarok. I, you know, there you go. Heard my review of it. You heard what I think. And uh I like to think I'm pretty fair about Marvel movies. Uh, there's ones I like, ones I don't. Um, I, the Avengers is probably one of my favorite movies of all time. Captain America Civil War. All the Captain America movies are great. Thor is somewhere in the middle, but this one, you know, this one was, uh, well, you heard what I had to say about it. It was good. All right, so what I wanted to also look at today, um, something happened this week, and it was funny. It was kind of a slow news week, and I thought, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'll tell my Disney story. Maybe I'll, you know, I don't know how I'm going to last 30 minutes talking about some of this news. And then I read a story from the Orlando Sentinel um, a couple of days ago that Universal has purchased 101 acres for its new theme park projects in Orlando, adding to the 475 acres it just purchased. So that's 576 acres. Now, that's not what Universal like is on. That's them purchasing 576 acres over the last year or so. They actually sit on a plot of land that's about 600 acres. Universal Studios – let me walk you through this. Universal Studios has two theme parks, and that's, uh, that is Universal Studios itself – Universal Studios opened up in June 7th, 1990. Uh, Islands of Adventure opened up May 28th, 1999. It's got several hotels there as well. Uh, they've got the, the Cabana Bay, which is kind of the value hotel. Um, they've got Portofino Bay. Um, they've got uh, Royal Pacific, Hard Rock. Uh, there's another one there that I can't think of the name of it. Um, they've got Aventura open up next year. They just opened up. Well, they say it's a third theme park. It's a water park, Volcano Bay. It's a water park. It's, I've, I've seen the pictures. It looks fabulous, but it's a water park nonetheless. So really three parks or two theme parks and a water park, several hotels. And, of course, Harry Potter is where Universal is, or Harry Potter is located there in Universal. Universal's problem is they don't have any land. They're running out of space. So let me kind of walk you through this real quick. I think this is kind of fun to talk about Universal because, you know, this is a Disney show, but I think it's important to talk about the, the competition. Uh, 2004. GE bought NBC Universal. NBC um, owned NBC and Universal had just merged, so General Electric came in about eighty percent of the stock of it. Basically, took over the company and, and took it off. Took took over. I worked for NBC um, 2005, 2006, something like that, right after it purchased, um, right after GE bought it. So my checks actually said NBC 13 slash GE or something to that effect. And so, um, so they bought that from there. 2004. Also, it's important to note Comcast tried a hostile takeover of Walt Disney World or of the Disney company. Comcast, the cable company, this media conglomerate, uh, went in and tried to buy a bunch of stock. And without going too much into the weeds, the basic gist is you go in, you buy the majority of the stock available, therefore you control it, and therefore you kind of take the company over. And that's what they tried to do. It was a hostile takeover because it was it was, it was was a big deal in 2004. Um, Eisner was, was kind of there and some other people there, they're trying to resist the takeover, and they tried – 
it just didn't work. So Comcast was like, well, we want, to, we want to get into this theme park business. We want to do some some more media stuff. So in 2009, they bought NBC Universal from GE. So now Comcast owns it. Okay, so Universal actually, like I said, opened up in 1990. They opened up the second park in 99, and they had had some great rides and stuff, but they were nowhere near what Disney was doing. They had no, they had no direction. And I've I haven't been there. I wasn't there in the early part of the 90s, um, the late part of the 90s, early 2000s, and so I heard various stories about what well, was kind of run down here and there, whatever. Because a lot of the a lot of the companies that owned Universal didn't really do much with the parks. Comcast gave Universal what they needed, and that was money. They pumped millions and millions and millions of dollars into Universal. And it's also important to note, too, that they announced on May 31st, 2007, that they were going to they were going to partner with J.K. Rowling and uh, bring Harry Potter to Universal. And of course, this is before Comcast purchased uh, purchased uh, Universal. So, you know, um, so there was a little overlap there. But they announced in 2007 and 2010 Hogsmeade opened, uh, which is over in Universal Studios. And then in 2014, Diagon Alley opened over in, um, in Island of Adventure. Now, so you get the two theme parks here, and you've got the two Harry Potter areas here, and Harry Potter is where basically what brought Universal back full force. Uh, Comcast, again, pumping money into Universal, pumping money into it, making it better, making it stronger, making it a better thing. Um, they sit, again, again, they sit on 600 acres of land. Walt Disney World sits on about 28,000 acres of land. Remember, we talked about this a few weeks ago, what Walt wanted to do. He wanted to make sure he had a large area to work with, um, kind of this own immersive experience when you go into Walt Disney, Walt Disney property. Their parks are only sitting on about 1,100 acres. So you've got four parks taking up 1,100 acres. Disney World has only used 38% of its property. I mean, like 37, 38% of its property. And, you know, we've said before that they have, they have made a commitment. They will not like there's, I think 33, 35% of it will not be used at all. It will be only conserved for, for wooded areas and keep the conservation. Um, but that still leaves a third of their property to do something with. They feasibly could put in money aside. They could put in a fourth theme park if they wanted to, maybe even a fifth if they did it right, or mo- more hotels or more shopping or whatever. Universal does, had, had a problem because with building uh, the two parks and the water park, they were running out of space. I mean, because they're sitting right there in the middle of, the middle of Orlando, right off of International Drive, uh, right off of I-4, and they, they have nowhere to go. So they've had to start buying land up here and there. So the reason this is significant is that they are basically now nearly doubling what they have. Universal now has land to pretty much put in one, maybe two more theme parks. They now have land to put in more, you know, more hotels, more shopping areas, more things like that. Um, they've now got all this land, which is which is enormous. This is a big deal. This is a really, really big deal because it's been kind of a back in the eighties, um, even in the seventies. Walt Disney in the, well, Walt Disney in the sixties was very willing to help other other theme parks. He would send Imagineers over to help other people consult. Same thing with Disney on the eighties and seventies and eighties. They would actually help consult with other theme parks to say, you know, let me show you what works, whatever. Michael Eisner didn't do that. Michael Eisner was a very cutthroat. He was, let me just say, Michael Eisner is a great businessman. He brought Disney back from the dead in terms of the animation and so on. And you can argue about how much he was responsible for it. How much was that? Was that somebody else? Whatever. He was a great leader for a long time at Disney World. So let me just say that. I say that to say this. Michael Eisner was very cutthroat when it came to building theme parks because he got wind that Universal Studios was going to be opening it up and it was going to be a working movie studio. So this is 87, 88, something like that. So Michael Eisner swooped in and said, you know what? Let's build one first. So they went and they built Hollywood Studios. Hollywood Studios opened up. It had like a handful of rides. It was a working studio. They got the jump on 
opening up their park before Universal did. Universal also claims that Hollywood Studios and Eisner and Disney stole some of their some of their ideas. I don't know. I have no idea what the word is on that. I can't argue one way or the other, but that is out there. So so they were able to build Hollywood Studios, and so they basically have been in direct competition ever since. They've been butting heads, and Disney has been winning the heck out of this battle until about 2010, when Hogsmeade moved in, when Harry Potter moved in, game on, okay? Market share fell for Disney, and when I say market share, market share for Disney, probably 75, 80% of the market share up until that point, and what I, what I mean by that is maybe every 80, out of every 100 people, 80 of them were going to Disney World out of those 100. The other 20 were going to, you know, Universal or maybe 17 were going to Universal and three were going to SeaWorld or something. That market share fell um, down to about 70-something percent lately. Uh, I don't know the statistics on it, but it's 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 down a significant number. Universal has made some great strides because they're building more and they're adding more and they're doing it at a quick rate. Whereas you have these classic rides at Disney World. You have Small World and Haunted Mansion and Big Thunder Mountain and Space Mountain. And, and even now in the bigger parks, you have Tower of Terror, um, you know, maybe Expedition Everest, rides like that that are, con- that, that are iconic. If you took those out... If you took out Haunted Mansion, there'd be a riot. People would burn Disney to the ground. Universal doesn't really have that. They have the Harry Potter area, but they can go in and transform an area into something brand new. Like when Transformers maybe goes away in a few years, they'll go in and they'll replace that entire Transformers area to whatever's brand new. Um, You know, when The Simpsons, after The Simpsons ends its run, it's on its, what, 30th season? I would say in, you know, 10, 15 years, maybe they'll go in and they'll redo that entire area into something new. They'll do those areas into something new with licensed properties. Comcast last year just bought DreamWorks Animation Studios, which owns Madagascar, Kung Fu Panda, Shrek, Trolls, How to Train Your Dragon, among others, which are some very popular characters. How to Train Your Dragon was a big deal. I, it wouldn't shock me to see actually a ride going in for that. So now they have control of all those characters to go into the parks and do stuff with. Um, Harry Potter is a big deal as well because if they open up a third park, they probably will do Ministry of Magic. Uh, that's my guess. Um, so if I had to guess, they're going to do Ministry of Magic with a third theme park. I don't know what the third theme park will be themed to, but they will do it with, with that. Um, so they've got a lot of land now to work with. They can double their size. And that's that's the name of the game. Is As a travel agent, I will tell you, magicandadollar at gmail.com. I am a full-fledged certified Disney travel planner and a full-fledged certified universal travel planner. Disney Cruise Line, Adventures by Disney, Alani, uh, Disneyland. You stay on property at Disney World and Disneyland. I don't charge you anything to help you plan your trip. There's a plug for you. So no, what, I, what I've learned as a uh, travel agent is a, is a lot of people will come in and they will say, you know, I want to go to Disney World for a week, but we want to spend a day or two at Universal, or I want to go to Universal for the week, and let me just spend a day or two at Disney World, what you're going to find out is individual day tickets for both parks are expensive. I mean, for a family of four, you're talking four or $500 or so to, to spend a day at either one of those parks, either a day at Universal or a day at Disney at Magic Kingdom. And they do that because they really don't want you spending the day there. They want you spending the week there. So Universal, building another theme park, they'll put in their Harry Potter area in, which will bring all those people back. They'll put more, more hotels, so there will be more places to stay. Uh, there will be more things to do. So it's it's on. Now, what I also think is going to happen is that Star Wars is going to come in in 2019 at Walt Disney World, and it will be kind of game over. I think I don't think Universal will ever catch up to uh, Disney World because once they... I mean, granted, in the next five to six years, Universal will probably buy all the land it can buy, and that's it. They're maxed out. They're done. They can't do anymore, while Disney can keep building. Um, Harry Potter, and this is going to be very controversial when I say this, So, and I love Harry Potter. I've read the books many, many times. I'm Team Jenny all the way. I'm a Gryffindor. I went to Pottermore.com, took the test. I am a Gryffindor. 
let me say this about Harry Potter. Love it, but it's not going to be as popular in, say, 20 years, in 25 years. It's it's just not. I mean, the, the, the it will be popular, but it's going to be like Lord of the Rings. Once you distance yourself more and more from those movies, it will die down some, okay? Um, Star Wars will be around for a long time. Especially if they keep doing movies. I mean, they, they say they're going to do them every year. I completely disagree with that. I hope they don't, but they say they're going to. Uh, but Star Wars will be around for a long time, and uh, I think it will be around longer than Harry Potter because there's really only so much more you can do with Harry Potter. You can keep – I guess they can keep churning out certain books and such, but Star Wars will outlast Harry Potter. That's what I'm trying to say. So I think in the long run, Disney will outlast Universal when it comes to this. I think Disney's market share may dip a little bit more, but I think it will level out level out, and maybe even rise some. So that's kind of a look at Universal and Disney. Universal with some great things coming up. They haven't announced anything yet about what they're going to do. The consensus is a third theme park. We'll see. It may just be hotels. We don't know. Um, but now they have two theme parks and a water park. A third park is really the only thing that makes sense uh, to do for them, especially if they want to do that third Harry Potter area. And then put the Hogwarts Express from that to to uh, Hogsmeade to Diagon Alley, which, by the way, that's that's where Universal gets you. A regular day ticket for one person, one adult, will cost you about 110 bucks to either one of the parks. If you want to go to both parks in one day, it's going to cost you about 140 bucks per adult average, maybe 150. But to ride the Hogwarts Express, you have to have a park-to-park ticket. So therefore, you have to pay to ride to, to go to both parks if you want to ride that one ride. And you do. I've heard it's amazing. I haven't been on it yet. I'm hoping to go very soon, but I've heard it's amazing. So that's kind of a real quick look at Universal and Disney, um, kind of their competition. And I really wouldn't mind doing some uh, some future episodes on just their rivalry because it really is a fascinating story, just the, the rivalry, rivalry between the two. Somebody asked me recently, uh, why doesn't Disney do more Marvel stuff in the parks? And really, that's a contract dispute. That is a that's a contractual thing because um, and I'll, I'll close this whole segment with this answer, uh, because Universal owns Marvel. Islands of Adventure, if you go there, the Spider-Man ride is there, the Hulk ride is there, they've got X-Men on the parks and things like that. Um, essentially, when 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 Disney went in in 2009 and bought Marvel completely, the contract Universal stood in place. Basically, everything east of the Mississippi, um, Disney cannot bring any of the regular Avengers or X-Men characters into a Disney theme park. That's into the park. For example, when the Avengers came out, they did a monorail wrap, which means basically they put a big advertisement on the side of the monorail, and you could ride a monorail with an Avengers wrap on it. However, it didn't go to the parks, it, into the parks. It only went back and forth between the monorail to the resorts and such, or maybe it went over to Epcot and back to Magic Kingdom. The one that actually goes into Epcot, it, it kind of makes a circle into Epcot. It wasn't on those because you can't take these characters into the parks. Now, you might see little tidbits of things here and there, little you know accessories, little logos and stuff in Disney, but you won't actually find the characters walking around in Disney World because Universal owns that. Also... Any characters that are a part of those teams, such as the X-Men, obviously, you know, we, Disney doesn't have anything to do with – they don't have anything to do with the X-Men right now, but they couldn't go out and buy the X-Men and have the X-Men in their park. Uh, Avengers is a great example, I guess, a better example of this because the Avengers, of course, it's a Disney Marvel film. They can't do the Avengers in the park, but it, also any characters of the Avengers that, that we haven't seen yet, if they're a part of the Avengers, they can't be part of Disney right now in the parks because they're part of the Avengers team. That's why one of the main reasons they went out and they found Guardians of the Galaxy because before the movie came out a few years ago, this was this was a fairly obscure obscure uh, book. This was a fairly obscure character. Nobody had heard of Groot and Star Lord and Rocket Raccoon and uh, Zamora. Um, nobody had heard of these characters. I mean, I guess hardcore comic book fans had, but I'd never heard of them even. And I've been collecting comics for you know fifteen, twenty, thirty years. Um, 
And so they had to go out and find those characters so they could be in the parks. And now you can find Star-Lord in Hollywood Studios. So you might see a few more of those things happening where they pull out some obscure characters and make them big time. Um, anyway, so there you go. That's Universal versus Disney. A little bit of Marvel thrown in there as well. Visit me on the interwebs, on the intranets. Uh, Facebook.com slash Disney on a dollar is our business page. I put a lot of news up there, a lot of links and such. You can also go over to Magic on a Dollar on Facebook. And that's our fan community. Ask to join. They'll be accepted. Come on in. Make some noise. Uh, we'd love to talk to you over there. We'd love to have you over there just to kind of shoot the breeze about some magic stuff. Twitter, you will find me at Disney on a dollar and Instagram, you will find me at Magic on a dollar. Don't forget to visit our sponsors. That's MyResumeLady.com for all of your resume help. Amy Campbell and her team. Amy's a rock star. She's a rock star when it comes to that stuff and a great person too. So go visit her. Don't forget to download Remodeling Clay Podcast um, at uh, uh, RemodelingClay.com and also on iTunes as well. Real quick, one more thing. Um, I want to say a shout out to the Roku Depot. Roku, R-O-Q-O-O. D-E-P-O-T dot com. He's a guy who basically, guy, girl, team, I'm not really sure which, but they they review podcasts. And uh, I didn't really know, but they were reviewing mine. And I got some good ratings on it. So thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast as well. And, uh, you know, hope you tell a friend. I don't know if that's your job to do it, but hope you tell a friend. Um, also, if you are a nerd like me, and I want to throw this one more plug in there. If you're a nerd like me and you love Star Wars podcasts, you love, you know, um, Planet of the Apes or Dune or anything like that, visit RetroZap.com. You will also find my other podcast i co-host a movie podcast called the deuce cast movie show and it drops every wednesday morning full of movies sometimes disney movies sometimes not but i'd love to have you download that show as well take a listen take a take a gander subscribe enjoy i hope you like it um so I think that's going to be it for this episode. Uh, thank you so much for joining us once again. Go to iTunes, review the show, download the show, subscribe, uh, tell a friend, it's, uh, you know, share the show with other people. Let, let other people know, hey, here's a guy doing a Disney podcast. You should listen. And I hope you do. I hope you enjoy the show. And um, guys, I love I love what I'm doing here. I really do. I love talking about Disney. I love talking about this. And I'm hoping to have some guests on pretty soon. Maybe even. Maybe even have some theme music, um, or we can just keep doing what we're doing and just talk about Disney songs and let you imagine those Disney songs from week to week. So that's it. That's the Magic of the Dollar podcast, the fifth episode of this grand adventure. Thanks again, and don't forget to thank a Phoenician. Hashtag ModPod on Twitter. <laughs>